Travelers. I'm Josh. And I'm Kahi. And we're the, the Genshin, Genshin guys. guys. Welcome all. This podcast is for fans of Genshin Impact, the mobile game made by Hoyoverse, also known as MiHoYo. Here we talk about our opinions, experiences, and dreams about Genshin Impact. If you like our show, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you're listening to the podcast. So today we are doing our fourth interlude episodes. This episode is pre-recorded ahead of time in order to get ahead of any downtime that Kahi and I may have in our schedule so that we can still make our weekly Monday release schedule. For example, one of us might be out of town, so we won't be able to bring you up-to-date news, our usual weekly Genshin segment, or the answers to our current community question. In terms of community question though, you'll have more time to answer, so hopefully it'll be a more lively discussion. We'll also be adding a new community question today as well. As always, you can still reach out to us and follow us on our joint account on Twitter at GenshinGuysPod or our individual accounts, which will be in the description of the podcast, as well as the Discord. We appreciate you all and hope you enjoy the episode. So today's topic will be a lore learn-along uh, featuring Sumi from Enkonomiya. So there was a Sumi... There was an e- event in Enkonomiya called the Three Whelms... <laughs> there was an event in... <laughs> Damn it. Three whelms. <laughs> the three whelms. Wait, it. wait. Oh, Just wait. Keep oh, it. <laughs> no, no, keep no. it. Don't fix it no, in post. No, People no. will love it. They'll love it. Oh, my God. There, there is an... There was an event in Enkonomiya called the Three Realms Gateway Offering Event. And there was an exclusive NPC named Sumi. Uh, it's T-S-U-M-I. Sumi. And she was also known as the Snake Masked Shrine Maiden. Now... Um, for those of you that don't remember, Kahi, what does Sumi look like? So, Sumi, uh, well, I'll read the official, like, appearance because some people can kind of get that image in their mind. So, Sumi wears the standard shrine maiden uniform consisting of a white kosode and a blue hakama, white socks and okobo sandals with blue straps. So, think of your traditional shrine maiden, but everything that is red is now blue. Her outfit contains deep blue accents. She has dark hair cut to chin length. Uh, She wears sepia lipstick and a snake mask to conceal the top half of her face. And spoiler, it is later revealed that the mask is used to hide her reptilian-like pupils. So she is a sort of snake person. So yet another animal-human hybrid humanoid person in the world of Teyvat. Yes, so, um, like Kahi was reading from, uh, we're going to be using the Genshin Impact Fandom Wiki to go over her story. We're going to read it, sort of audiobook style, and then we're going to discuss it after each paragraph or so. And, um, yeah, we're just here to bring you some information, something to listen to, something to learn more about the lore that maybe you missed, or maybe you had no choice but to miss because this was a limited time event, and the story of this is very, very important to the history of Enkonomiya as well as this character herself and the lore the game's lore in general um so yeah so let's let's dive right in so i'll start here with the profile so according to the ancient documents stored in watatsumi island sumi is assumed to be the last descendant of the vassals of watatsumi a half snake half human race that are familiars of the god orobashi over time the vassals of watatsumi became more human-like The only thing distinguishing them were their vertical pupils. 
They were capable of communicating between humans and reptiles such as serpents, bishops, etc. But according to the experimental records that Enjo found in Ekonomiya, along with the ancient legends from the place, Sumi is assumed to be a reptilian, part of a highly intelligent and fast-evolving bathasmal bishops that imitated humans and gradually infiltrated Enkonomiya's high-ranking positions. Like the vassals of Watatsumi, the only thing that distinguishes them are their reptilian pupils, thin and vertical lines. Through two documents that are both incomplete and different at Watatsumi Island and Enkonomiya, there is currently no basis to confirm Tsumi's origin. Interesting. So we have two different possibilities of what she is with the same symptoms, basically. They, she has vertical eyes, right? Right. So um, a lot of characters that are either very important or potentially playable, they usually have very unique pupils. Now, of course, Tsumi is kind of way back then. She has the entire stature of an NPC. It's not playable, but definitely anyone who has special eyes very important whether we know it now or later yeah i mean i would i would love for like a like a fish up person to be playable that'd be so cool what would they even do so um next paragraph says according to kokomi the last vassal of watatsumi whom she assumed to be tsumi was attacked at the borders of enkonomiya and was whisked away by the bishops when she was still an infant for reasons unknown she was spared and raised by them she was aware of human language by reading leftover books and scrolls, but as the humans of Enkonomiya migrated to Watatsumi Island, there were no longer any humans for her to communicate and interact with. At some point after the discovery of Enkonomiya, Enjo made an alliance with the Bethismal bishops in which he would bring back the darkness they desired in return for safe passage for the Abyss Order. But Enjo betrayed the bishops. By rebuilding the Towers of the Void, he brought forth a darkness laced with abyssal energy that the bishops did not know was poisonous to them. Tsumi, learning, using what she learned from the leftover books and scrolls, was able to protect the Dainichi Mikoshi with the Sento ceremony that awakened the Sanga Korexes and brought light into the area. She then encountered the Watatsumi army who had been sent down to investigate the abnormal darkness and tended to them. So from what I remember back then, uh, in Konomiya, so there's this big tower that had light. Where yes. There was like mechanics where you could switch light to day or day to night. Yes, Dainichi Mikoshi, right. Right. There you go. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, so that so this was basically highlighting the story of that event. Um Enjo was that, you know, the abyss abyss lector or you know, there's there's a lot like the of, rogue abyss lector, the pyro pyro one? Yeah, yeah, the pyro one. Yeah, that was Um it. so yeah, he he's really important for this uh this entire story. And you, you have a sort of a weird relationship with him. Like you're helping each other. Like he's easy going and friendly, but he, um, yeah, he, he's pretty interesting of a character. Um, at one point it says here, he admits that although he had numerous reasons to kill the traveler, he chooses not to because he likes them. <laughs> so yeah, it, it is really interesting that we were able to interact with an abyss, um, were able to interact with an abyss lector. I think he was the first abyss lector we ever interacted with. Um, so, like, even before they were like enemies, I think he was the first one. And so, during this whole thing, they opened the Sanga Corexes. So they, they're like, they look like butterflies, sort of. And yeah, it's interesting. They, they're 
flying through Enkonomiya searching for a place to live, grow, multiply. They were once destroyers of the old order, only capable of living while concealed in the dark sea. Interesting. So yeah, so there's there's a lot more um deep lore into that, but the event was basically like where Watatsumi uh, not Watatsumi, um the Enkonomiya map was like covered in darkness in like different sections. And you would have to go into each section and clear out certain objectives to, to to clean out away the darkness. And it was really cool because at first when I explored Enkonomiya, I wasn't that interested in like looking around underground. Like it was all dark and everything. And even though it was interesting story-wise, I don't know. At the time, I wasn't that into it. But this event and the story from this event made me really interested in Enkonomiya's story. So um, they talked about the area where the Vishaps live you know, in the in the dark sea and um, how it's kind of like outside the abyss. It's not like the same thing. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, things that are made distinctly different here than what maybe we had imagined in the first place. Like when it comes to where the bishops live, where they come from, what Enkonomiya was doing, what is Enkonomiya. And um, I think it would take a really a much longer time to go into that specifically. But, you know, because um, Sumi was there, we were able to basically thwart this plan and we were able to save Enkonomiya, basically. So so speaking of Sumi, Kahi, like what 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 did um wait, Kahi, did you want to say anything about that? Well, I mean, back in Enkonomiya it was like really dark, really gloomy. I mean, I wasn't I'm not really a fan of like dark gloomy areas. Mm -hmm. And Enkonomiya was like bright, but it was like very like monotone color, like very like it was almost like only a few shades of like dark blue and purple, almost gray-like. So it isn't really like as bright as the overworld of Teyvat, which is kind of what I liked about the game in the first place. But I'm trying to f I'm trying to determine. I'm pretty sure snakes in general, like reptile creatures, don't like bright light, and they can actually see better in darkness. So I think they favor dark areas, gloomy areas. Okay, I'm not a snake expert. I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Well, I remember like a, a small detail like that. Yeah, so like vipers, bow constrictors, among others, are able to find capture prey even in total darkness. So they are con they are able to convert the heat from organisms that are warmer into electrical signals, allowing them to see in the dark. So they do they do see in the dark. I I, I guess they kind of favor dark areas rather than bright sunny areas. Although they can survive, they just prefer smaller areas mm -hmm. so i mean it might it might hint to like why enkonomia might be dark and why my why the abyss likes it maybe why a lot of the old you know reptilian monsters might like this area better so it kind of makes sense it matches the theme nice yeah so um i mean snake people like how much of the snake uh you know abilities do they do they keep i don't know but sounds pretty interesting um, what about, so speaking of Sumi herself, like, what about her personality, Kahi? Alright, so, her personality, um, it is written here that Sumi is an enigmatic character, not much about her true identity has, identity has been revealed. She wears a mask to hide her pupils, as to not scare the others, but is not incessant about wearing it, as shown when a Sangonomiya samurai pestered her into briefly removing the mask to show her eyes. She is also concerned if the mask makes her untrustworthy in the other's eyes. She is somewhat a little too honest when speaking, directly asking the traveler if they were human. 
and admitted that it is lucky that she can read human writing to perform the Sento ceremony. Aside from that, uh, Sumi seems to have a kind and gentle personality, illustrated by her helping and protecting the wounded Sangonomina samurai before the traveler arrived. Her true affiliation with the Bathysmal bishops was later revealed, and she concluded that the interaction of her kind and humans can only end in betrayal. She wished to destroy the Dainichi Mikoshi, but was conflicted, openly questioning why she could not bring herself to do it. After the Traveler gave her the missing fragments to complete her pendant and affirmed she belongs to Watatsumi Island, Tsumi was greatly confused for a moment, but made her choice afterwards. And last week's episode, I was talking about that weapon that I gave to Baiju, mm -hmm. the one that we had to craft. This is the weapon. The Old Sworn like, Eye. The things that we had to craft. Yeah, the Old Sworn Eye. This is the where the event was from. But I remember, I remember it was from around this time, but yeah, this is where I got it from. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. that, that goes in perfectly with that uh, last week's episode. All right. So as far as her personality, yeah, I do remember she was kind of like, you know, she was very, ah, what is it? Defensive or maybe like pensive. I don't know. What's a good word to put it? But she like, she didn't like to be... She was cautious, very cautious, because, you know, mm. she knows that she has this appearance and she also knows that uh, she wants to be trustworthy. So she is like more honest with people. Yeah, um, obviously, it's difficult honest. when someone's wearing a mm -hmm. mask that covers their face. Yes, but especially yeah. when they look like that. Yeah, so especially when the mask has the, freaking, the, the, the snake guys on it. Like, like it's not it's not like a, a, a normal or a kind looking mask. It's just like a mask that covers her eyes to make you think. Or to not let you see her normal eyes, but it still has, like, serpent-like eyes on it. Her, so her personality sort of conflicts with the mask and appearance, but mm -hmm. she's, she's still human deep down. Um, but, you know, still has conflicts because she grew up not really around a lot of people. So there's going to be a different way she, that she handles her, herself around them. Yeah, it's like, you know, um, it's weird when a character who looks so suspicious is being nice and kind because then they, they just look more suspicious. Like they have an ulterior motive or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, second guess. In this case, it sounds like, you know, she was going to destroy the Dainichi Minkoshi. Um, but yeah. Okay. Well, so that's, that's her personality. Now, um, of course, what's important is, you know, the story. Why is she important to the story? What is her place in the story? So, going to go into a little bit of the background of her and what happened around this time so i'll take the first part and then josh is going to take the second part we're going to discuss midway through so mm -hmm. i'll start off with the story the beginning of it now while tending to the wounded from the watatsumi army sumi encountered the traveler and paimon the three were uh, the three exchanged information about themselves and sumi explained what was then happening in Enkonomiya. She asked for the cooperation to seal off the three towers at the border of Enkonomiya, which were the source of the darkness. When Paimon questioned Sumi about her mask, Sumi explained she wore it due to something happening to her face when she was growing up. So she wears the mask as to not scare anyone. Even though it's so scary. At this time, <laughs> correct. It is actually a pretty scary mask. At this time, we did not know what was under the mask. We didn't really have a suspicion of what it was. 
The Traveler expressed some suspicion due to their encounter with Hanachiru Sato, another Masked Shrine Maiden who was actually an ancient entity. Uh, this is the one that we had to interact with when we were unlocking the Fox Shrines, but yep. we only saw her Fox Mask. Tsumi didn't fully understand what the Traveler said, but also told him she hates betrayals. Tsumi offers her guidance for the Traveler and Paimon if they agree to cooperate and trust her. So the Traveler and Paimon questioned the Watatsumi soldiers tended by Tsumi about what they knew about her. They discovered that the reason Tsumi wore her mask is to hide her reptilian-like pupils and that she could be one of the vassals of Orobashi. Uh, Orobashi was like the ancient snake, right? In Inazuma? Right. Yeah. After a conference, though still wary of Sumi but with little choice, they chose to work with her to restore the towers to their original forms and get rid of the darkness. Sumi then gave the Traveler a tool to effectively fight against the monsters affected by the Abyssal Energy and explained the ultimate goal of the operation. She also revealed that the one one so she also revealed the one responsible for the darkness encroaching in Konomiya was Enjo, the Abyss Lector, the mm. Pyro Abyss Lector. I believe that was the first Pyro Abyss Lector that the game introduced. I mean, he shows up as like a normal looking NPC first, like mm -hmm. a dude with glasses. He's just researching the Dai Mikoshi. Like, I think he says that he's from Watatsumi and he's coming down. Like, he got approval to research. Oh, no, no. Mm, right. he, he snuck in. He like somehow snuck in to like mm -hmm. research. And, um, but then, you know, it turns out he's an abyss like there. Yeah. So, yeah, this is the story. This is how we started our, you know, little quests and our little big puzzle. Not little big. Little big. Little big planet. Basically the area puzzle of this, of this zone. So, uh, Josh, I know it's kind of a while ago, but do you remember this part? Do you remember what you were doing over here? Um, I, I don't remember, like... There was, there was like some, it was similar to, uh, how can I explain this? I, I think the closest thing is it's like in Tsurumi Island where you're like traveling through the, through, it's like some combination of like traveling through the fog with the electro feather and also in Sumeru with the, um, uh, what are they called? The, the withering, the withering spots where like you have to, like you can only be in the darkness so long. And oh, and the other thing is the um, the the chasm, like the load, the light stone thing that you have in there. I forgot the name mm -hmm. of it. The crystal. Yep, I remember it's that. kind of like a combination of all three of those, and you're like in this dark area where you're weak, but you have to level up your your tool, um, to effectively fight against the monsters, or else it'll be too hard. So it was called the the Bokuso box, and it was a, it was a gadget that was only during the event, and the more that you collected the tokoyo legume um then you could get um you could upgrade the box and it would help you do more damage to enemies it would help you do like um like a, there's an extra like burst attack thing that it has but i think it was also necessary to activate certain puzzles but yes yeah, so it, it was like while you're traveling in these dark areas you use the tool to get stronger to be able to clear the areas eventually and um what's the tool called the bokuso the, the bokuso 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 box, <laughs> the, bokuso the bokuso box. box. Yeah, there's a brand in in Japan called Boksu. Yeah, yeah. Just it just like, means box. You know, yeah, yeah. Stuff. Like I it's know. someone <laughs> Japanese just saying box, box. 
but this is Bokuso box and I don't know uh, if the language can explain to me what it means yeah I think it's just a name it I don't think I don't think like a, yeah I don't think it has yeah. any specific meaning to it um, and unfortunately it's like using like really old characters so I can't understand them um, necessarily give me, give me one sec um, it uses the characters for harmony and incomplete so or partial so it's like partial harmony so I don't know like what that is supposed to be exactly but that's how they ended up translating it in English but of course like if you look at it in Japanese or Chinese they have like the characters that have more meaning and that's kind of what it looks like it ends up being so maybe it was meant to bring back harmony or partial harmony um so anyway it's called the bokus bokuso box so b-o-k-u-s-o box all right so that was the first part of the story that's how the story in economia began so going into the latter half uh josh would you like to take the next part all right so the next part is um so after so you find out that enjo is the one causing the darkness and then after restoring the three towers successfully tsumi informed the traveler and paimon about the abnormal darkness remaining inside the dainichi mikoshi which she assumed to be enjo's doing and gave them his exact location so they can defeat him. Then you fight him, then soon after being defeated, De Enjo divulged information about the experiment records of Bishop people he found in Enkonomiya, and said Sumi was a member of them, unaware of their proper name. He also then revealed that Sumi's actual plan was that she was the one who created the darkness in Dainichi Mikoshi and used it as a decoy to lure the traveler to fight Enjo as revenge for his betrayal, and to take advantage of the moment to rescue her kin that have been trapped underneath the tower along with completely shutting down the source of blood branch coil, coral so that no more bishops will be killed in the future. So blood branch coral is... So it's like one of the objects that they made you collect in order to uh, perform the Watatsumi ritual that lets you go into Enkonomi in the first place. And uh, so apparently it was like not good for bishops. Um, and let's see here. So, along with completely shutting down the source of blood branch coral so that no more bishops will be killed in the future, the Traveler and Paimon quickly returned to the statue beneath Dainichi Mikoshi, but Tsumi was no longer there. So they used Enjo's device to dispel the darkness inside the tower and intercepted the coral defenders to prevent them from sealing off the blood branch coral in time. And the coral defenders are also known as the Bathysmal Bishop Herd, which are those two, the Electro Bishop and the Ice Bishop, uh, the Cryo Bishop on the bottom of Enkonomiya. So that's that's where that was uh, part of the story there. As the, oh yeah, that's the open world boss. It wasn't like the weekly boss, but you could keep farming it for yeah, like Yeah, it's an open materials. world boss, yeah. And you yeah. can still do it now. Um, so they had to fight them to prevent them from stealing off the Blood Branch Coral in time. After defeating the bishops, the two confronted Tsumi after emerging from the Dainichi Mikoshi. Tsumi asked them if her rescue operation had succeeded, in which Paimon interrogated her about her real identity. Tsumi did not disclose any of her information, but revealed her affiliation to the bishops with her intention to destroy the Dainichi Mikoshi to bring darkness back into Enkonomiya. The traveler attempted to stop her, but she warned them not to come close to her and told them that she can destroy the tower by simply willing it. Despite that, Tsumi somehow couldn't bring herself to destroy the tower. 
Traveler then gave her two pieces of the pendant which she combined with her own, telling her that she belonged with Watatsumi Island. However, being raised by bishops, Sumi decided to return to them and chose not to destroy the Dainichi Mikoshi, instead warning that the bishops would be back one day before taking her leave. Man, I wish... I can't wait till we can replay events in Genshin, hopefully one day, because like, I really want to play this event again. By redoing quests would be, I mean, not imperative, not really necessary, but the ability to do that would be nice, because a lot of games let you replay story quests, story events, yeah. or I mean, especially at least look limited, at the cutscenes again. Limited stuff, right? Because yes. a lot of the story happens while you're playing, not just like during cutscenes. Like, they talk to you while you're fighting stuff, right? So, yeah, but like, just like, so this is, so much happens here, right? Like, Enkonomiya, um is like trying like they have systems in place to keep the city the way it is right the dainichi mikoshi which was gifted that the 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 schematics of which were gifted by the god of time istaroth um and the uh like the bishop people who want to destroy it because that's the, the thing keeping them away from from Engonomiya. and the fact that sumi is related to them is very very possible for us to just randomly get an event that is the continuation of this um, and where we do see Sumi again, which I would love to see. It would be super interesting. Um, as well as She Enjo. could be on the surface. And... Yeah. Because Sumi is you know, down there if she left. I mean, I mean Sumi, she just Sumi... go off to the side? Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's exactly what it is. Because mm -hmm. Enkonomiya is, like, is surrounded by like this darkness, right? And then right. you can get there. Um, so yeah, so, there, so you... You know, figure out Sumi's true intentions, Enjo's true intentions, and in, an actual involvement in the story. And at the same time, you you know you save the state of Enkonomiya. Obviously, Enkonomiya, um, you know, if you've been there, there's nothing there. There's no people there really uh, anymore. Like that live there. Um, there's the shades of people, or like the after images of people that were recorded from when they did live there. And um, there's just a lot of information about the old world because Enkonomiya was actually like one of the places that survived being... Um, well, it didn't survive. Okay, so, so Enkonomiya was... Let me see here. I mean, it was the target by the gods back then. Right? They right. wanted to do something to this city. Right, so here, here's a quick, and I know we've talked already a lot about Enkonomiya and stuff, but a uh, quick Enkonomiya lore tidbit, which is long ago the Primordial One and its Shining Shades defeated the Seven Sovereigns, which are like the Seven Dragons that ruled the world before Celestia came, before the First Descender, um, and began the creation of heaven and earth for humanity's sake. A single unified human civilization spanned the world, which the people of Enkonomiya were a part of. Enkonomiya people were part of the original one civilization, the, the one original civilization that was on, in the world. But then, the second who came, another individual came, appeared in Teyvat, and war broke out between the Primordial One and the second who came, which destroyed the heavens and the earth, supposedly. And um, and this is the information from the the book, the Byakya the Byakya Koku collection, which was Byakya Koku was the original name of Enkonomiya. Um, way back when. So, you know, we learned about uh, that in through the lore books. And then um, 
when that disaster happened during that war, Enkonomiya fell into the ocean and was severed from the rest of the world, which is why it's so preserved, right? Which is why they're, they're, it's underneath. And when they fell into the ocean, they met against the dragon heir of the depths, which are known as Bethismal bishops now, that ruled this place. They learned that the dragon heirs loved the dark and shunned the light, so they used thousands of lanterns to ward them off. However, this was not particularly effective, and so they prayed and lamented, but the Primordial One and its Shining Shades did not hear their pleas. Only on the third year of darkness did Istaroth, one of the four Shining Shades and the ruler of time, hear their, hear their lamentations, helping them by giving enough wisdom to Aberaku no Mikoto so that he could create the Dainichi Mikoshi, so she told him how to make it, which was known then as the Helios. And then as a result, in the year of blindness, Abaraka's wisdom had been awakened and the people began constructing Helios under his command. Um, so then um, it goes to talk about Orobashi and how Enkonomi affairs in the present. But like, that's a topic for a different day. But the thing is like Tsumi, um, learning about Tsumi during this limited time event shed some light on the interactions between the bishops and the original people of Enkonomiya and how they're connected now and what their goals are now, which is to destroy the Dainichi Mikoshi um, to reclaim this part of their land, like in the depths, right? Which Enkonomiya was originally not a part of. So this, I really thought this story was so interesting. It really got me into like, like, whoa, what is this place? Like really, really cool. I mean, I would assume, like, of all the places that they are going to, like, continuously update and make relevant again, Enkanomiya, we have to revisit there soon. Mm -hmm. The further point, yeah. into the story we get into, because this place seems very important. I mean, just like how Sumeru has a lot of important places as well, we don't really have reason to revisit the older areas, other than maybe there's some enemies that popped up back there, and we got to clear them out. Or maybe we're checking in on some old friends, some old people that we've come across in our journeys. It was nice, to, especially with the last event. Like, we just went on, like, a little world tour, just going back to some certain areas, talking to the people again, saying, hey, remember that time we did this? I mean, we completely skipped Anakonomiya. I mean, we, we've gone back to the chasm for a couple of times, too, especially in Sumeru, the Archon quest line. I mean, even, like, the Nahida story quest line, too. I mean... There seems to be a weird, strange reason why we're not going back to Enkonomiya. Either that could either be really good or really bad. I mean, it could be just, just like, like with Eula, right? Like, um, <laughs> like they're Eula. saving it for something really specific in the future, and they're just not gonna let us know. You know, it's just gonna, it's gonna happen. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, who knows? Like, it could be during Fontaine. It could be after Fontaine. It could be after Natlin. Like, it could be. It could be forever from now, but I feel like they'll revisit it because they re they do revisit Inazuma decently enough, but they don't revisit Enkonomiya or Watatsumi Island for that matter. Like, and we got oh. this last story where it's like Kokomi was trying to make amends with the people of Inazuma so that Watatsumi could be seen in a better light after having been at war with them for a while. And so that could effectively lead into us learning more about Watatsumi and in turn Enkonomiya in a future story event, right? Um, involving more players than just the people in Nazima uh, at that time. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's it's really it's really interesting. I just thought Sumi is like one of the most memorable NPCs for me because she was so mysterious and 
very it, different too. And so it was such a different story um, for like an NPC. Um, she's like, it's up there with one of those quests. Like, I feel like this could have been easily a world quest that stays. Like the same way that we have Rue from Tsurumi Island. Like this could have been the Enkonomiya exploration quest, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Because like, as of right now, Enkonomiya is like totally optional. Like you get there and then there's not like a giant world quest that involves all of Enkonomiya as far as I know. Like they do have stuff to do, but it wasn't as direct per se as like this Sumi, um, the Sumi yeah. story was. I feel like as a new player, like they could completely skip Enkonomiya and still have they can. a strong idea. You, of what's you, going you on. don't even have to go there. It's optional. Yeah. Like that's the crazy exactly. thing. Exactly. So I'm I'm about to like so I'm, I'm gonna try to work on exploration, like for my, my main Asia account, and then I'm gonna go I'm going back to NA and I'm gonna try to do all of these quests. Um and look at them with like a new light, like knowing more about the lore, knowing more about what's going to happen and seeing what other foreshadows and things I can see. And yeah, I mean, I'm just curious to like go back to Enkonomiya and see uh, how it feels to like go through that because I haven't looked at, I don't remember. Like I said, I wasn't super into Enkonomiya when it came out, um, but then I, I kind of became interested in it after, especially after I learned about the fact that Enkonomiya was part of the original civilization. Like that part blew my mind. So uh, super cool topic, I think. So yeah, do you have any last thoughts on uh, this topic, Kahi? Um, well, it's great that we revisited the Bishop people because in Fontaine we got that preview of that little Bishop person. Apparently, it's a Bishop person or like a mermaid person or something where they're yeah, well, more animalistic. Yeah, we haven't seen it. I don't think it looks like a Bishop at all. But yeah, I don't think so. I, I think it's like a, a native to Fontaine creature, mm -hmm. but is very human-like, and it looks like it looks like almost like what we talked about, like halfway point between like a human and a not human in a way right mm -hmm. but i mean the coloration like just how there's like you know like white underbelly and then there's like a single color palette on the backside. i mean it's kind of like what bishops are because bishops have like a very striking color coloration i don't know maybe maybe this is a bishop person maybe not but we we're seeing more animal pe animal people coming out which is cool um it suggests more life to the to the planet it's just more areas that are yet unexplored. I mean, we still haven't seen if there is even a home to the Catsling bloodline, you know, right. Diona and her clan. Or if there's an actual bigger yokai place where it's not just hidden in the mountains. Yeah, that, that interaction even... between um, Kirara and Diona, right, from the um, from the TCG event. Yeah. You have two tails? What? Yeah. Wow, you must be a great... <laughs> and then she's like, wow, you must be like a really powerful yokai if you can like go into your human form. And she's like, wait, this is just how I am all the time. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. there's there's a lot to think about. Um, obviously, I think Enkonomiya, like you said, doesn't get revisited enough. So uh, we wanted to bring it up and... Uh, bring it up as maybe a topic of conversation, something to look into. Maybe keep you, it relevant. If, yeah, keep it relevant. If you missed the event already, or if you're playing through Inazuma now and going to Enkonomiya, you know you're you're just starting to the game, or maybe you went through Enkonomiya and you totally forgot it, and you're like, wait, what was that about? You know, go check out the wiki, go check out the cutscenes on YouTube, and uh, like learn a little bit about the the lore because it is really deep. It goes deep, and we do not even have even uh, almost all the answers, but. We did learn a lot from this NPC, from this quest, and 
I, I think Anomia just in general is just such an interesting place. The the aesthetic actually like the more you go through it, I honestly appreciated it more. The music is great, um, so it's a fun place to explore sometimes <laughs> if you're in the mood for it. Um, there's some like I remember specifically some exploring where it's like you have to like glide from float giant floating island to giant floating island, and I'm just like, I wish I had a better way to do this. But I don't know. Maybe I have Wanderer now, so maybe it's a lot easier. But um. It was uh, it, it is a really cool place, so definitely check it out. And if you forgot about it, give it a little spotlight. So, you know what I would wish now that? that you brought up Wanderer. A, What's that? The perfect excuse to revisit these areas would be if Wanderer, you know, kind of wanders in, huh? finds this place, maybe explores it for himself. Maybe the quest will be just hey, from the perspective of Wanderer. You only play him. And then you run around and see, hmm, what is this area? Wait, I remember this. This is important. It's a way to explore past areas in like a contained space. It literally just, that's the idea that came to my head. But maybe, maybe not. But it would—it does fit his whole like wandering aesthetic. Yep. So that is our lore learn along for the day. Uh, thank you all for following along with us. Um, definitely let us know what you think. Let us know on the Discord, Twitter, Spotify etc like what you think of Enkonomiya what you think of Tsumi did you play that event did you not play that event have you seen it like what do you think of it um, because I'm curious to know and we would love to talk to you about it now for in addition to last week's community question here, here is a new community question Kahi go ahead so what character would have the hardest time adjusting to life in our modern world who would this character be and why do you think they would have the hardest time adjusting? It could be magical base, it could be personality base, it could be just maybe they don't know or understand the concept of money, who knows. But yes, if a character popped out of the game and into our world, who would have the hardest time adjusting to life here? Let us know and we will recap both uh, this past two weeks of questions in our next episode. So then, to end our show, as always, we'll move to our last wish segment. Kahi, what are you going to be wishing on today? Well, you know me, I'm going to be building pity. So I'll be rolling on Alhaitham's banner, because I'm good on weapons. I'm going to see if I can just get a nice little character, maybe some... Yeah, maybe some constellations for the other characters, because I could use Hazel, Yao Yao is a good healer, dendro support. So, I'll be rolling on Alhaitham's banner right now, and... Do we have? It is blue. It's gonna be a weapon. Polearm. Black tassel. Black right. tassel. Josh. Uh, what did you get? Okay, so for me, I will be rolling on the weapon banner. And uh, would love to get Freedom Sworn, but let's see how it goes. And it's blue also. Queer blue. Okay, it's Ravenbow. Yay. Okay, so that wraps up the show for today. Thanks for listening. And if you have time, please leave us a comment and a review. We'd really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening. And follow us on Twitter once again at Genshin Guys Pod, me at JSide Gaming, or twitch.tv slash JSide, and Kahi at Kahiao, K-A-H-I-Y-A-O on Twitter and YouTube. So as always, Ad Astra Abyssosk. Hoshito Shin Enjoy. Enjoy.